Hi, I'm Anna Tierney, and I'm on the School of Hollywood. Well, welcome to the uh, School of Hollywood. And you're on a, a hit show right now on, on Amazon Prime, Three Pines, uh, which comes from the producers of The, of the Crown, uh, Love Bank uh, Pictures. It's based on a book, correct? Yeah, many, many books, actually. It's based on a series of novels written by uh, Louise Penny, who is a multi-award winning, best-selling Canadian novelist. And uh, yeah, she's written, I think she just released her, maybe her 18th book even. Yeah. Only 18? I mean, well, come <laughs> <He's> on. <counting. laughs> uh, you play Claire in the TV series and she is an artist. Did you have an experience as an artist before getting into the movie, the series? Uh, I had some experience. Yeah, I um, my family is quite artistic, and my dad was an actor before he passed away, but he was also very artistic, and uh, he was an incredible illustrator. And when he was younger, he worked in a in a print shop. And my mum studied fine art, and she's a wonderful painter, and she also crochets jewelry and I actually wore a lot of that jewelry as Clara in the show because it was so perfect for her character because she's very organic and you know uh it didn't make sense to wear kind of lots of metal things as that character so I ended up wearing a lot of my mum's jewelry that she'd made and um my sister is is a jeweler actually and she made all these these pieces um and she's also an incredible artist as well. And so I grew up with all of that and was also very good at drawing and painting and, and so on. But, you know, acting became the focus and you've only really got so much time to to dedicate to one thing. So that's kind of the direction I went. But I'm finding myself now coming back around to the art, not just in this character, which I was so happy to play an artist because that had featured so much in in my life and my upbringing I I guess and um but I'm I, I just recently started on a journey into pottery and so all of my skills and interests in art and painting and it it's all gone into this art form that I've just discovered and I'm absolutely obsessed with so yeah. Have you gotten into doing anything on the digital world, like Procreate on the iPad? I have actually. And I, I shared a few things on my, you know, my social media, just sort of like, yeah, I kind of did it for fun and just sort of put it out there. And so like cartoons, illustrations, and I, I really enjoyed working with Procreate because there's just no mess you get to like choose all the different pens and you can erase it immediately and but you don't have to bring all the pens and brushes and do all the washing up and there was something very freeing actually in in uh working on a digital medium yeah I really enjoy it yeah I love it I, I actually like to create my own brushes inside it I'll go outside and take a picture and make a little stamp on it and you can do some really cool things in it yeah yeah and I don't know if you've seen um David Hockney, I don't know if you know his his work. He um I mean, he's worked with every kind of medium, but now in his 80s he started to work with the iPad and with a computer and created these incredible pieces with probably Procreate or something similar and just mm -hmm. incredible. So, how would you I've watched the series, but I really don't know how I would tell somebody 
what it's about. <laughs> so in your own words, <laughs> yeah. What is it? <laughs> what is it? What is three pines? I mean, three pines, it kind of straddles two different worlds, I think, is the first thing maybe to say. We've got it's set in Quebec. And you have the world of Montreal and the um, Sûreté de Québec, which is the national police force. And you've got Alfred Molina, who plays Inspector Gamache, and he kind of heads the police team there. Um, And in that world, uh, Alfred's character becomes very concerned and involved with the story um, or with the case of a uh, missing Indigenous girl. And the more he becomes involved in that, the more his superiors become unhappy with him. And as a kind of unofficial punishment, they send him to Three Pines to investigate a murder. And then we get introduced into the world of Three Pines, um, which is this quirky village in the Eastern townships. And Inspector Gamache comes there inspecting to, to find out who, uh, to find out what happened in this murder case and then very slowly becomes enveloped into the world of this of the town itself so you've got these two different worlds that are interacting with each other at the same time and I would say the show as a whole for me I think about it in terms of lightness and dark that maybe we all have shades of of light and dark and we go to both of those things at different times and and that kind of yin and yang and and Inspector Gamache is is one of those people who is drawn to people and leads with empathy and kindness on the whole and and so yeah we have this light and dark but it's also a very comforting and human show would you live in that town (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so magical it's honestly what they did to this this town in the eastern townships to to make it look like three pines from the novels is just incredible amazon and the whole team did an amazing job yeah so working with alfred i mean he is one of the legends of hollywood both television and film is there anything that you saw while he was acting, uh, a trick that you may have not known in acting that you could steal and use? <laughs> he was, I don't know how he did it. He he could be telling a joke, which he, he liked to do. He was brilliant at telling jokes and boosting morale and, and uh, creating a really good atmosphere on set. And then action would be called and he'd be straight into it. And so somehow he had everything he needed to access his character and whatever energies and rhythms his his character his character required of him and that's maybe a skill that you can only really learn after however many years in the business I think not to not to kind of obsess about staying in the moment all the time but just to know how to jump in when it's required of you so I'd say that was the thing I was so impressed with and something that I'll definitely try and definitely try and use more in my own work. 
So it wasn't the uh, sense memory. Let's take, give me two minutes. Let me prep for the scene here. It was no. <laughs> action. Let's go. The camera's running. Dollars are going. No, you <clears> never <throat> caught Fred Molina asking for two minutes for a sense memory. That's that didn't happen. <laughs> While shooting the the TV series, was there anything that kind of gave you the creeps uh, in the things that were reacting in the city? Yeah, definitely. There's um. I mean, you see, so it's called the, in the novels, it's called the Hadley House. And in the, uh, in the adaptation for screen, um, this kind of haunted house that features in all the novels um, takes on a slightly different narrative uh, in the TV series. And the history that they put into the house and the version that we use in our stories is that it was an old residential school. And so people then start have start to buy this property and they live in it and terrible things happen in there and it has this terrible history and ghost attached to it. And even though it originally wasn't a residential school in, in real life, just the just the narrative around that place and and the fact that every part of that building was used in filming. So there's a, a basement where um they discover you know um is where children were kept in the school and and it's where other things get discovered as well um i don't want to give too much away but um, yeah, yeah. that house definitely had a haunted vibe to it it was on this peninsula as well so it was incredibly windy and cold and it just had this energy about it that was yeah it did give you the shivers quite literally did you have a hard time sleeping at night? <laughs> um, sometimes, but I think for different reasons. I think when I'm when I'm sleeping by myself in hotel rooms, I, I find that very creepy, to be honest. But I never I never quite feel at home. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. So tell me about your process of getting the job. Did you have to do a live audition or was it Zoom and then a network test? And what was that experience for you? Yeah. Um, well, we were still in the time of, of the pandemic, so everything was done over Zoom. Um, and there were several stages to that. And um, the audition, I was aware that the audition might be coming some months ahead because I had actually worked with the writer and creator of the show, Amelia de Girolamo, um, on her previous project, which was called Deceit for Channel 4 in the UK. And um, uh, after filming that, Amelia reached out to me um, and sent me a lovely message, which doesn't always happen after, after a filming production. And um, she told me about this project and that it was going to be filming in Canada. And she, she knew that I was out there and that I was between Canada and London. And she told me about the novels and everything was based on. And she didn't know when the auditions would be happening. But she just told me all of this, you know, shared it with me um, very generously. And so I took it upon myself to buy as many of the novels as I thought I could read and and got into the, the literature by Louise Penny and very quickly found myself relating most to this character that I am now, I'm now playing. And um, when the audition came, 
you know, no one knew what to expect. Amelia had only seen me in this this one other role. And, um, you know, even if they liked me, it would still have to go to network and, and they would have to approve. And um, luckily it all worked out. So, yeah, that was my my journey into it. And it was a really nice way to come at the audition because usually you get maybe a few days a week at most to prepare for an audition. But I kind of had the privilege of, reading the novels in advance and letting that sink in in terms of character work and depth and just letting it kind of simmer on the surface what's the big difference that you've seen from from acting in in england to america to canada hmm that's an interesting question um i mean every project varies so much just from project to project depending on who your production company is and working on this project in London for Channel 4 it, a much smaller production um but no less uh no less weighty or brilliant and um maybe I'd say UK productions have a certain grit to them and especially in the crime genre I think there's a there's a grittiness and a darkness to um, British shows that maybe isn't always as present in Canadian work. But I think that's I think that's changing. You know, the stereotype that all Canadians are just sweet and lovely <laughs> is, is a bit you know it's a bit counterproductive. We know that you know there are just as many naughty Canadians as there are nice ones <laughs> and um I think that Canadian film and TV is is starting to lean more into its into its edges which is nice yeah yeah the the British television one of my favorite shows it was on was MI5 uh you guys called it spooks over there um the intensity of the CIA or MI5 mm -hmm. uh, versus an American is like 10 times much more intense uh, watching it. Amazing series. It actually made James Bond look weak, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, James Bond. I mean, that's a, that's a league of its own. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of famous people, your dad was in some amazing projects, Star Wars, and then he was in Braveheart. So what was it like as a kid knowing that your dad was in Star Wars? Well, <laughs> I think my dad wasn't uh, wasn't really like a Star Wars nerd. And certainly when he filmed it, they didn't know it was going to be a success. They were just filming this strange indie, you know, weird sci-fi film. And, and they had no idea it would be the success it was to the point where I don't think his character even had a name to start with, even though he has a speaking role, but they, when it became a big hit, they, they, he's in the encyclopedia, he has his own figurine, you know, and, and so I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't exposed to too much of the sort of sci-fi madness as a kid, but he was in shows like Lovejoy with Ian McShane, which uh, I was much more aware of growing up. I don't know if you guys had that show. They, it's a, uh, so Ian McShane, who you maybe know from Deadwood yeah, yeah. and, you know, um, yeah he he plays this antiques dealer and uh my dad was the he was like the regular bad guy who just keeps getting getting you know the wall pulled over his 
<laughs> by, by Lovejoy. He he just keeps failing. Uh, and um, so, yeah, he, he played a lot of baddies, um, even though he was a lovely man. I think he just understood that that archetype. And I think for me, it was just how he was at home. You know, he was, well, I should say he passed away years ago, but um, the way that he was, was he could hold court with people and he could really bring you into his circle and make you feel like you were being listened to. And he was incredibly charming and funny and he just knew how to hold your attention and make you laugh. And it was this thing that I think actors of his generation were so brilliant at and that were maybe going in less of a direction now, but yeah, it was, it was his being his, he was always kind of switched on and electric and those people are so few and far between. So yeah, it was, a massive loss for me when when he passed away and and I think for a lot of people he was a real a real sparkling light um and actually Alfred Molina I discovered when when we were working um I mentioned my dad because I always check with them um, you know actors of a similar generation if they knew mm -hmm. him and I said oh do you know my dad Malcolm Tierney and and he stopped in his tracks and he looked at me and and the kind of light bulb went on and realized who I was and he started to you know tears came to his eyes and he stopped and he hugged me and he said I knew your dad I worked with him many years ago and and then he you know for the rest of that day he was telling me stories about my dad and and doing these brilliant impressions even though he hadn't probably seen him in years and years it was like seeing my dad in front of me Alfred just like embodied him all of a sudden and it was that was very very special it's always nice to meet people who 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 know your parents especially if they've passed away what advice did your dad give you about acting <laughs> don't do it <laughs> <laughs> which isn't helpful because you always want to rebel against that and go oh you know why don't you want me to do it do you not think I'm good enough and oh, well I am gonna do it you <laughs> know <laughs> It doesn't really ever work. I think you just, you know, my mum always just encouraged me to do whatever I I felt was the thing that I wanted to do. But I think, you know, however successful my dad was, it was still very, very hard. It's a hard career choice and life choice. And um, yeah, nothing is ever certain in, in this kind of career. And, and you have to be, you just have to be okay with that. And he was also very political as well. And I think, you know, I think he felt that that impacted his career in some senses as well. And, but yeah. Well, in School of Hollywood, we always ask a question to help motivate and guide uh, actors on the way. If you had to go back into your first meeting with an agent, mm. what question would you ask the agent that you never ask? What question would I ask the agent? Um, I would really want to know how they were going to work for me. So I would, which I wouldn't have known to ask then because I was just clueless. I would have, I would have asked them what inspires you about me and my person and 
what do you think you can do for me in that sense? I mean, it's such a difficult question because it's all unpredictable. You know, you can say, how many auditions will you get me? And and they'll say, I don't know. We don't know the future. <laughs> but I think, um, I think knowing that your agent is, or your potential future agent could be inspired by you. And I would tell myself to be myself more and not worry about being some something else, something perfect or presentable or because that's not really interesting. How long did it take before you felt that you were really an actor in your career? Hmm. Um, I think I always felt like I was really an actor, but I think my approach and energy towards it has maybe changed I think at drama school I I very much felt like acting and the craft was everything it was the only thing that existed and now I think I've matured and mellowed a little and I don't let it control all aspects of of my life or or what makes me a, a happy human I I think I'm much more able to let it go and to enjoy myself on set. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> when you felt that you you've made it as an actor. When I felt okay. I mean, there's always something to be said for getting that kind of external validation from from someone else. I think this particular journey now has has really given me a lot of confidence and you know, having someone like Emilia de Girolamo um, be so generous and and just extend that kindness and that curiosity about about me and about I'm sure all the people that she works with, um, it makes a real difference to the confidence that you allow yourself to have about your work and the belief that you have in yourself. Because for the most part, you're you really have to just rely on your own intuition and and good sense and you know keep keep pumping your own tires but there's always something to be said for someone else doing that for you and i and it goes a long way you brought up a point that that i think is very valid and that is newer actors have a tendency to be 24 hours a day nothing but thinking about acting mm -hmm. but you have to be able to experience real life to really truly be a real actor very true, very true. Um, I think that's why, you know, you don't always see young, the youngest kids getting into drama school because I, I, I would hear that our tutors often say, you know, we want we want people to go and experience the world, at least take a gap year before you come to drama school because as soon as you leave, you're enveloped in that sense of, oh, I can't go anywhere because I might, you know, book a job or, and, and I think you you have to be able to live your life and and book a holiday if you can afford it, <laughs> and <laughs> um, you know just do those things for yourself. Otherwise, you'll always feel like you're ruled by something out of your control. Um, and I think that's why it's also important to have other interests that you maybe do have a bit more control of from beginning to end. Um, I think I think that's maybe also a wise thing to do. Where can people find you on social media? 
Uh, on Instagram, I'm it's Anna Tierney with a few extra Y's <laughs> um, <laughs> because I couldn't get my name. Um, so yeah, I'm on Instagram. I, I'm on Twitter, which I don't use very much, but um, I'm not on Facebook. And yeah. So. Well, that's great. I really appreciate you being here today. <clears throat> much success in your career. Uh, definitely with the TV series, uh, it's definitely a good one. And that's going to lead to more and more projects for you. And Thank I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. It's been really nice chatting to you.